The O'Chelly Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. And now, and now most, the most underrated voice in all, in all media, Chuck O'Chelly. Another wild card Wednesday. Welcome to it. And what is it? The 26th day. 26th? Yes, 26th. Yeah. 26th day. <laughs> I think, right? Yeah, it's the 26th day of July, 2023, allegedly, according to that thing we call a calendar. Now, we are uh, on video tonight, but if you're hearing us on the live stream, you're going, I don't got no video because you're only audio over there. Anyway, Ocelli.com, it is happening. This is the show you were looking for. This is the Ocelli Effect. Okay. I've been, I'm, I'm gonna talk current events a little bit, but I'm gonna definitely have a good time with my guest on the Wildcard Wednesday. Big ups to our friend, uh, Nature Boy, who produces the Wildcard Wednesday. Happy to have him along as well. He's producing in the background. You might hear from him before the show's over, but you're definitely gonna hear from William Ramsey. Now he's been on the show many times. You, if you just enter into a search engine out there, William Ramsey investigates. I'm certain you'll find the podcast where most podcasts are, but, uh, you know, this is a guy who handles some true crime stuff. He's an author. He's a podcaster. Uh, he's a lawyer. And, you know, it's funny cause I'm usually unfriendly to lawyers, but, uh, what can you do? Sometimes people have other lives and, uh, you can't hate them all. Can you? Well, you can, but I don't. Um, anyway, <laughs> William Ramsey, I, I've, I've got to talk to you about some current events and all that stuff, and I want to find out about what it is you've been up to over at William Ramsey Investigates, what's coming up for you and all that. But uh, before we go anywhere else, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday? Doing well. Thanks for uh, the invite. Glad to be here. Glad to talk with you again. Uh, listen, I'm always happy to talk with you, and you are an analyst that uh, that I need, all right, because I'm fascinated by certain things, uh, not because it's a big thrill. I know some people are like thrill seekers in this way and, and sort of enjoy, actually enjoy the coverage of uh, a, a murder and mayhem, right? Um, when I cover it, it's because I want to expose it. I want to show people that we, we need to do something about this. We need to clean the world of some of the darkness that's out there. And I feel like, uh, you're one of my fellow travelers in this way. But unfortunately, that means that you spend a lot of time, uh, studying dark, ugly, murderous things. And I always ask this question to people randomly, where have all the serial killers gone? Well, I got an answer in the past couple of weeks because there is this arrest, uh, actually in the past week, singular. There's this arrest of an individual out on Long Island once again. Uh, you know, it, it sounds reminiscent of a bunch of past cases like Joel Rifkin, like some others where sex workers might have been involved. Maybe they weren't. Look, a lot of loose media talk, but a guy has been arrested. After the uh, accidental discovery by authorities, right, they always seem to stumble across dumping grounds. They stumble across caches of evidence. And we watch this happen with this, uh, what they're calling the Gilgos. I think it's uh, because of the name of the beach uh, area. Right. Gilgo Beach. Gilgo Beach. Gilgo Beach. Okay. The Gilgo Beach murders. Because why? They were looking for somebody who was missing. They go there, they went, well, we found a body, maybe we found the missing person. Oops, not that person. And they dig a little more, a couple of feet away, they come up with another body. And that happened some years ago. Yeah. And then we're told, well, there's obviously another serial killer in action. Now, 
I'm old enough to remember in the 80s when Time Magazine published an article which stated, and I will never forget this, that uh, something like 5,000 people were expected to be killed by serial killers in the next year in the 1980s. Um, I dare say we don't see that in the news cycle. I dare say we don't see that in, in crime investigations. We don't see it in the statistics regarding serial killers anymore. But here we go again. We have a new one. And this guy is providing some very interesting stuff out there in the media without saying a word. His lawyers have maybe made a few statements. His wife certainly made a statement because he was one of these guys married, you know, in plain sight. The, uh, I don't know, the Dennis Rader type, maybe. The, uh, well, not, not John Wayne Gacy because, well, he wasn't exactly a, a normal appearing guy to the public. But in some cases he was. He even had presidential uh, people connected to the president come and visit him. Um, weirdly, this guy was out in his community. He was active. He had a job. He had a wife. He had a family. And the day after he's arrested kind of indicates to me something very interesting. The day after he's arrested, his wife files for divorce, almost screams to me because, you know, if this was a legitimate, normal situation, a wife who was taken by this, blindsided by it, might take a few days to figure out whether she wants to defend her husband, whether she wants to stand by her man, whether she wants to deny that she knows any. But she was like, oh, oh opportunity has knocked. I am out of here. That, to me, says something, and I think there is a whole lot yet to be revealed. But enough out of me. How about you and uh, what it is you see here, considering the fact that you've taken a lot of time to study things like this? Uh, I, I'd like to get your take altogether. And I haven't listened to you lately to find out if you have opinions or not on this at all. Uh, I wanted to make sure I got it fresh from your, you know, fresh from the horse's mouth, so to speak, on the show today. So tell me what your thoughts are on this case, what you've seen, and everything, William Ramsey. Well, I, I did a show on it, so I've researched it. So I looked into, this was back on the 17th, I did a show about Rex Hewerman. And I think that he's probably a long-term serial killer for a long period of time. He's 59 right now. So typically, if you look at like uh, overview of serial killers, and I've done some, they usually get started in their 20s or something like that. So he's a very mysterious guy. He has property in Las Vegas. He spent time, um, and there's been uh, those type of murders, his type of murders in Vegas as well. And he spent time in um, Atlantic City as well. So he seems to be moving around. And he committed the murders while his wife was out of town. So he would wait for her to go out of town. But the reason they keyed into him is because uh, of his avalanche. Somebody spotted one of the women who ended up dead. Who They were all sex workers, but they spotted somebody with an avalanche. And so this task force that was set up in New York City or Suffolk County um, on Long Island really got started in 2021 and looked into him. And they actually did great police work. They slowly accrued evidence. They got his cell phone records. They realized he was u using a burner phone. So he had a regular cell phone, and they could do the pins, and he was a real monster. He would take the cell phones of his victims and call the families and taunt them. So he had a very nasty attitude. But you're right. He was in hiding in plain sight. He had an office in midtown Manhattan. But they traced these calls from the burner phone and his cell phone pinging similar towers uh, down downtown in Manhattan. So that was another bit of evidence. And then they actually just tried to find his DNA. They I think got a warrant to get his DNA off a pizza box. So he would eat a piece of pizza and they went and got the pizza and tested the DNA to 
things that were in some of the victims, they were, some were buried with burlap bags and there were hairs. And that's really what got them enough evidence. And they put together, you know, enough evidence to arrest him. And there's actually a video of his arrest. He's a big guy. He has to be like six, four, six, six. Like he wears off. He doesn't wear off the rack clothes. Like he's, he's huge. And so yeah, he's a big man, tall man guy. And you know, interesting. You bring up the first thing is his age. Why is that important? Somebody might have missed that uh, really quickly in in your in your researched answer. Well, here's the thing about serial killers. Yes, if they're not caught, right? Uh, their, their killing might begin in their teen years, their early 20s, somewhere in there, and they refine it, they amp it up, they get more sophisticated. It seems this is the pattern, as I understand it. Uh, and then sometimes they age out a bit. They start to slow down, just like we all do, slowing down as we age. Uh, maybe they're less aggressive. They got less testosterone in their system just based on their age. Nobody's certain exactly why, but it appears as though an uninterrupted serial killer will do this. Now, I'm one of the few people that did take note that he had, uh, you know, a little time in Atlantic City uh, and things like this. I find that fascinating because Atlantic City is a nexus of lost people. OK, I'm just going to say that bluntly. going to leave that comment there. Maybe we'll get into that in the future. But the truth is this guy's in a prime spot. And again, it's the sex worker thing. That's why I brought up Joel Rifkin, who's one of the most famous ones from a similar area, Long right, Island. Right, Long Island, right. This guy, um, he was, uh, what was it, Park? It was not, it was Massapequa Park. Mm-hmm. Close right. to the and side, he, close to the body site, yeah. See, now that was the next thing I was going to ask you about is that this guy kind of is living in a place where he's got a view of his dumping ground, which again is, you know, because a lot of people will, look at this from the outsider's point of view and say, did this guy want to get caught? And it's always a yes and no sort of answer, because if he really didn't want to get caught, he wouldn't leave his dumping ground right out his back door, basically. Uh, and this is what the guy did. I mean, he can almost see his dumping ground from his house, from what I understand, or, you know, at least in the area. Yeah, it's almost like a stone's throw. Like it's as the crow flies about two miles from his right. house to the Gilgo Beach, which is kind of a deserted stretch of beach. Nobody would use that except to kind of get to a house, but it's 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 a bit out of the way from the central kind of towns of that surround Long Island, yeah. Right, not a busy beach area that people would go. It's not Jones Beach or, you know, one of these uh, – it's not like part of the Jersey Shore, which is always busy during a certain time of year. Millions of people flock to it. No, this is a stretch of beach that is not going to be disturbed that often, but, again, is still accessible. So one does also wonder, since he was playing games like taunting the victim's families and things like that, how often would he have visited the site? We haven't gotten any uh, information on that. Did he go back and revisit the site outside of when he was dumping bodies? Did he, uh, you know, just uh, simply stare out a window sometimes and go, ha, I can see where I left my trail of destruction. I know that sounds crazy and it sounds like it's a Hollywood movie, but these are things these guys really do. And yet we, we haven't gotten a ton of information on him yet in the general public sphere. So what are your thoughts about that uh, as far well, as the way it's being presented and uh, the, the oddity here, to me, is, and of course, I've always got the tinfoil hat comes on right away. Um, you know, look, we're, we're in an age where serial killer, it used to be that the police made a declaration, you went with it, you knew it was probably true, mostly true, something like that. Uh, nowadays, you've got people that say he's being set up. You got people that say it's not real. You got people that say, no, it's not 30 bodies, it's 330 bodies. Um, 
there is the exaggeration, manipulation, and misinterpretation of information out there in the conspiracy world. And again, I'm a conspiracy advocate, but it doesn't mean that I'm not rational. So you see people going in all sorts of different directions on this guy, and yet we really haven't been given a lot of information or a lot of stuff to work with to even launch this speculation um, what are your thoughts there? Because I'm going to obviously have to bring up the smiley face thing here. And we're going to have to talk about the connectivity and how these things evolve. Uh, you're watching in real time something that is evolving, that is acknowledged, that, again, seems to have some good police work behind it. Uh, and, again, even though we're witnessing things like HBO just released a, a, a series or is releasing a series on uh, some of the homosexual murders that occurred in New York City in the 70s and 80s, uh, which is an interesting series. Again, why am I bringing that up? Because there are many people that are forgotten or often uh, just uh, said to be runaways. Oh, they've actually disappeared. They're not murdered. And then we turn up with these chains of deaths that are connected to either a killer or a group of killers. Um, you know, so I guess another weird question I'm trying to build in here is, do you think this guy acted alone? Or is there something else happening here? Is this an expansive universe? Or is this just one sick MF who just went after sex workers because they're a good, easy target? What are your thoughts on that so far? I mean, obviously, you don't have a psychological profile on the guy. Nobody does yet. But I'm just saying, what is your impressions thus far from what it is we're seeing emerge in the evidence? Well, you first asked, did he go back to the scene of the crime? When they were the scenes of the crime, when they discovered the bodies in 2010, 2011, somebody took like homemade dolls and propped them up against the crosses that marked the grave. And they pulled mm -hmm. out of his house a doll that was like that in a glass case. So that yeah. might have been some kind of weird trophy thing that he did or his family did. But, uh, I think that whether he, he had a brother he was close to in North, I think South Carolina, where they had a compound. So he had land down there. So this guy was kind of a multi-jurisdictional traveler like Ted Bundy. But so he was up to, I mean, they have to trace his whole history to see where he was at any given time. And, you know, the pre predators towards these women, like it reminds me of the Green River killer who actually kind of aged out. He actually was much more active. They never caught him until the very end. He, he bungled and got caught. And that, that was the same thing that happened to the BTK guy. Really cruel mentality. But, like, he sent an email from a church computer, and that's how they traced it back to him when he was older. And so he had been doing all kinds of malevolent stuff for decades. So that makes me think of Hewerman. He got uh thought he was getting sloppy, but there's really weird things all over this case. There was like the old DA was involved in some sketchy stuff. There were other women who went disappearing from that area were sex workers. Um So there was just, now that, that's why the case got bungled is because the old Suffolk County DA was like doing Coke or something. Like he was, a, his name was Burke. He was a real mess. Mm. And, uh, so there's a lot more to learn from this whole case. I think the FBI and all those people were investigating it. We're going to find out a lot more about Hewerman and what he was up to. But uh, he also, there was a conversation that he had with uh, just some random person who spoke, some 25-year-old girl, and she said he told her that the Lisks, they call it the Lisks serial killer, the Long Island serial killer or Gilgo Beach murders. He said that there were 10 victims, but in the in the criminal complaint against him, uh, there were only four people listed. 
So who are those other six? Did he know that he had six more associated with that? So I get, and there was a string of strangling, and his method of murder was strangling. So the 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 killings that went down in Atlantic City, it was attributed to the Atlantic City stranglers. That was his method of uh, dispatching these females. So that might that might be him. Um, so I think there's a lot more going on. Whether he worked as a, with somebody else or uh, what's going on is, I mean, the the fact that they bungled the the case was also very strange. Like, why did they blow it so bad to not find this guy earlier um, when well, they knew that he drove an avalanche? They knew that he had the car. Yeah. Yeah, and the weird thing about the the ten victims versus the four victims, like I I don't find that all that suspicious because a lot of times, like Bundy is attributed to have had many other victims, but if you look at his actual convictions, he didn't get convicted of nearly as many victims as they claim he had. Uh, I mean, we could go into the extremity and the strangeness of uh, you know, like a uh, uh, what what was that guy's name? Uh, Otis Tool was his uh, partner yeah, there. Tool and Steve uh, is three names, right? Yeah, Henry Lee Lucas. Henry Lucas, Henry Lucas yeah. who confessed to a lot of crimes that he couldn't have committed. Uh, but at the same time, he did directly commit some crimes. Now, what was he actually in prison for? You know, th- there is a difference between what they can prove and what they, you know, what they know you did a lot of times. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got 10 victims, but they only can get him on four, etc. But it's weird now because there could be the potential for a string of victims where they think they've got a guy in uh, Las Vegas, like you said, a guy in Atlantic City, a guy in North Carolina, maybe on his way to and from. How did he get to North Carolina? He could have stopped off in South Carolina, Virginia. I mean, you could wind up with a, a pattern here. And this was claimed about Bundy, too. When he traveled, there may indeed have been murders along the way, very much like the legend of Henry Lee Lucas, who I'm satisfied did commit some of the murders he claimed, but Clearly not all of them. Um, but, but either way, the idea that uh, Lucas kind of drifted, this guy just on his way might have committed murders. And again, if it was relegated to the sex workers, here we go once more, right? These right. are people that can be discarded, just like drug addicts, just like the gay people in the 70s. It was okay. The cops really weren't all that anxious to solve it because, look, these are people running around doing this and that. So... Eh, they they t- hey look they took the risk they knew the risk they take that attitude it's not like the snatch and grab from the uh, nice neighborhood that they're really worried about catching supposedly uh, but then again we got to go to smiley face and start looking at well now some of these guys get snatched and it's really strange how nobody takes interest in a lot of those cases uh, and and we'll get there but. This case, I think, is at its very early stages, yes. and I think anybody who's passing ultimate judgments on it knows not exactly how many directions this can all go in, and I think you're pointing to some of the ways that it could wind up going, and um, you know, I, I'm asking for your gut reactions, but the truth is, you or I or even the prosecutors probably do not know the universe of, of, of murder the universe of mayhem that could be connected to this one guy, uh, which is remarkable. And again, seemingly strange. I mean, I wonder how you feel about the idea that there are less serial killers now than there used to be. I mean, is it because of greater surveillance or, <laughs> you know, or is it just getting caught? What do you think? They're mis- they may not just be getting caught. Like, I think that the smiley face killings is, is, is serial killers, but they've just perfected their thing. Like, Huerman had something down. Like he had steps that he was the he was a calculator, right? 
who's mm-hmm. thinking he had a fake name online. He had burner phones. He waited till his wife was out of town. And that's where, when he committed his crime. So, um, but yeah, the multi-jurisdictional nature of it too, right? So he's operating in Manhattan, Suffolk County, all over the country. Bundy traveled what from Washington to Utah to Florida, right? Like right. He had a really weird arc. So, uh, we're going to find a lot more about this case. Like, I think there's a lot, uh, strange, high strangeness, like his past history. What's he been doing for 20 years? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the guy. I mean, they may have him confessing to other stuff. But, I mean, if I was a cop and I was, interrogating the guy, I'd be like, what else have you done? Do you ever want to talk about anything else? Do you want to keep from getting the death penalty? Why don't we see this? I mean, just like Henry Lee Lucas, who I think killed his mother, like he was a real piece of work. Um, but uh, I would be asking those questions because I think there's a lot, a lot of questions out there about where that this guy has been. Like, what's he doing owning property in Vegas? Like, that's not even close. Vegas is like 3,000 miles away from where he lives. Like, right. what's the incentive there? Like, is it because it's a wandering town? Like, in Vegas, there's tons of sex workers and strippers uh, that, like, are very transient. They come into town for work for a week or two weeks or something and leave. It's very, it's a strange town. I mean, you want to talk about uh, Atlantic City or having sex, uh, sketchy situations. Vegas has a real underbelly. And maybe he was comfortable there. I don't know. Well, and that's the thing, the transient nature of a place like, uh, you know, Vegas. And of course, let's not ignore the fact that you're talking about casinos, which attract a certain crowd, uh, you know, and the gangster element that comes in. There are people that come and go and nobody takes notice of them disappearing because that's just the nature of the place. So yeah, that you makes You just say they just went home, right? They just went back to Idaho or yeah, Washington well, they didn't get or whatever. A, they have an know, industrial, they, industrial level of gentlemen's clubs. Like it's not, there's nothing like it in the United States. It's thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of girls. Like, although, you know, if that's Huberman's, uh, you know, victim pool, I mean, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. Well, and in those gentlemen's clubs, let's let's break it down. In those gentlemen's clubs, you got plenty of women that are working under assumed names. I mean, you know, they're not all named uh, Mystery or whatever the hell the latest name is at the strip club, I forget. But, I mean, for a long time, uh, how many... Uh, how many women were named, I don't know, Fantasia and whatnot uh, in the strip clubs? I'm saying these weren't their God-given names, so their birth certificates definitely didn't match. They were being paid in cash, so nobody was keeping track. Uh, so, yeah, he could have been picking off of the uh, – and, and, by the way, Atlantic City has an underbelly of those clubs, too, not as elaborate as Las Vegas, but still – uh, you have that element of it. So that right there, even the hookers on the boardwalk, which and last time I was there, which is probably 15 years ago, I mean, they were still present. Just common street walkers were there. This guy could have had a fertile hunting ground in Atlantic City and Las Vegas. And again, who knows what he did along the way? Uh, like the thing with Bundy, it's not just Bundy in Florida and Washington, but he drove from one place to another. So what's in between there? The rest of the United States. Um, maybe he got a hamper or something along the way. Have you ever heard of the serial killer Little? They think that he was kind of like an African African American guy, but he they think that he was like that too. He was a traveling itinerant serial killer, and that's why mm-hmm. they never caught him because he would go from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And it was the Is same thing the with Resendez. Yeah. Okay, is that the guy who turned up with the, uh, the like they found a box, a huge box of Polaroids, like uh, after he died? Because there is a guy with that. That that's a wow, crazy. Uh, that story. guy, yeah, that was another crazy guy. That was the guy, the dating show killer. I forgot his last name, but yeah, 
he had tons of pictures and they don't know how many people he killed. His whole right. life, like he never had a job. His whole life was traveling around killing people. It's unbelievable. Like he lived with his mother and he goes, Mom, I'm out of here for a couple of days and go kill somebody and come back. I forgot his name. I see his face because he was on the dating show. Right. Right. But that, but that happened. I mean, and people, again, this seemed to be more commonplace some years ago. And I don't know if it's just, it was a more violent era. I don't know if, if, again, see, it would seem to say to me, because we're under constant surveillance everywhere we go. Now I complain about that. And some people would see that as safety. I don't see it as safety. I see it as an intrusion. No matter where you go, you're being recorded. You're being memorialized. So I think it sucks, but. Uh, maybe it dissuades if somebody's aware of it. See, Raider made the mistake not really knowing how easily he could be traced with an email, you know. Right. It seemed uh, he couldn't figure out that. And by the way, there are some people that claim that Raider didn't work alone. Um, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with them necessarily. I don't know exactly. But here we go again. We also have the wife uh, divorcing him right before, and I'm telling you that's a huge red flag. She had to have known something. Now, Yeah, agreed. Like, she couldn't have been that surprised. Right. So the variety of possibilities with the wife, though, range thusly, uh, William. And tell me if I'm crazy. It's a, You know, please do. But I've seen before where a male serial killer has a female accomplice who helps, uh, uh you know, give comfort to the female victims because – they feel a little less, you know, endangered to be alone with a guy. Maybe there's a woman around, stuff like this. She could very well have been a, an accomplice in certain cases. We might find that there's more than sex workers. We could find, I mean, I hate to say this. I don't wish it to be discovered. But, I mean, we might find little girls. We might find, we don't know the trail of death this guy might have been responsible for just yet. Okay, so it could be well we beyond sex There was a toddler buried in Gilgo Beach. So there was right. like a toddler, like, so somebody with a mother with a baby, like horrible stuff. And his uh, online searches, porn searches were like 10-year-old girls, torture, crying. It was terrible. Really graphic, right. gnarly stuff. So, Right. And that's the other ugly thing here is they have all these bits and pieces of the puzzle that lead to various suggestive areas and the amount of darkness that could emerge here is is I'm sorry, it's endless. It, it's it's extraordinary. It's endless. Um, and it's funny because I don't see the news covering it like they used to either. That's another weird thing. Uh, they did report earlier today, like I said, that you know he's supposedly under threat. Maybe they have to put him in protective custody. Uh, this happens sometimes in a community. Uh, I I can't see the community really wanting to lash out at him, but. Then again, I'm not sure. You know, it's not like Jeffrey Dahmer where people got angry because they realized that, you know, somebody had really wiped out a bunch of people in their community right under their noses. And Dahmer was, you know, even the guy who uh, eventually killed him, uh, you know, to my understanding, was somebody who was kind of getting back at him for the damage he did. I don't think that there's somebody seeking vengeance on this guy. But then again. It could be somebody who's incarcerated with him that wants to make a name for themselves as the guy who killed the serial killer, and that's a problem, uh, especially if you want to get him to confess. Again, I'm not talking about we need to protect the serial killer. What I'm saying is we need to protect him long enough at least to maybe get some closure on a bunch of things here. Like, right. imagine right. if what I'm saying is only the tip of the iceberg and there's killings in California we didn't know about because he took a trip to Disney World uh, or Disneyland. You know, uh, let's imagine that he went to Texas and we forgot about that. 
you know, and there's a, you know, three, four bodies over there. All of these things are important to the survivors, important to closing these cases out. And I wouldn't want to see this guy dead before he even has an opportunity, not saying he will scare it, but before he has an opportunity to drop other hints to give up something else. Uh, so I would say, yeah, keep him alive for now. Yes, protect him. And I think Dahmer was like that, too. I think the situation with Dahmer is the police didn't know the trail of destruction that he had left until he told them everything. Once he got caught, he, like, left everything out. So that may be the same thing with Ewerman. Like, the enormity of what that guy is up to is uh, maybe way worse. Right. And it could be that this guy has been in operation so long. I mean, again, look, I'm not saying I'm a serial killer, but sometimes I got to think about some of the things that happened 20 years ago. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. You know, that happened, too. Uh, if if killing is a, a common part of your life, who's to say that he doesn't, you know, convolute some things together? Oh, yeah, that's right. I did, I killed two blondes, not one. You know, oh, I actually ended up getting an extra one. You know, you bring up that toddler. That toddler might have been incidental. Uh, maybe it, it was somebody that, oh, well, I can't leave a witness. Uh, you don't know if there's things like that that happened here where he had to take out somebody else because they were a witness or they had gotten wise to him. I mean... The possibilities, again, are endless when you have this very long timeline. What, what do you think the timeline was, according to what we see uh, by the evidence here? Because it's 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 decades. I mean, yeah. yeah, if he's 59, he probably started 30 years ago. You could probably trace him back to crimes going back into the 80s and 90s, late 80s and early 90s. So it's really they have to do a time full timeline of his past. I don't know if he was always in Long Beach or what, but uh, or Long Island, excuse me. But... Uh, It'll be very interesting once they really get into the details, depending on whether he pleads guilty or whether he has to go to trial. I mean, I, I, I suspect that he will plead guilty to what happened. Um, he has two adult kids, so maybe he doesn't want to really tell the full story. But they're, the cops are going to try to put it all together through his uh, electronics and all the stuff that he had. But yeah, they well, were down. Right. Well, the electronic traces are going to come into play. They're going to look at his history. They're going to look at where he was living before. They're going to look at, okay, now we have this collection of bodies. Are they all his? You know, is it possible that this was a common dumping ground? Now, that could be a possibility, too. Not all the bodies are his, but it was a good place to go, and more than one guy had the idea. In addition, we've already seen uh, the one lady. <laughs> I I, I kind of made some you know commentary about it a little little snide when I when I saw it on TV the other night on another show, but uh, the fact is there's a lady that came out you know oh yeah I dated him, you know and oh I thought there was something strange. No, they never say that you know during they they might have been creeped out they might have not liked him whatever but they didn't go oh I think he's a serial killer at the time almost never. Uh, but this lady comes out, you know, freshly bleached blonde. Uh, I can tell that, you know, from looking at her on TV. And I'm the blind guy, remember, so it must be obvious. Um, but the thing is, you know, she's coming out going, he was a little creepy. He was weird. Uh, he was into this, you know, uh, he was talking about the murder scene because it had emerged as something they discovered where they didn't have a killer to attach it to, but those bodies were discovered. What do you know about that, by the way, why it is and how it is they discovered that? Because as I've described it in shorthand, it's they were looking for somebody else who was not connected to any of these people on the beach initially. And it was just like they were on another lead and just stumbled across these bodies. And this was some years ago. So, right. It was 2009 to 2011 is when they found them. They don't know. I don't know the exact dates when they went missing. I think the. The women went missing right around that time. But my understanding is the original 
first person that was found, it was a cop was taking his, uh, whatever bloodhound, his, his police dog out there and just seeing if he find anything. He did. And then it just led into the investigation. And that was the 10 year mystery is like, how did all these bodies get out at this beach and who did it? Right. So I think it was, that was kind of like one of the things. And there was all kinds of different stories. There were stories of this woman calling the cops, like she was being chased. So that kind of made it complex. So just like you said, there may be multiple people, multiple criminals involved, but like she was also kind of a, she was at some rich guy's house and then it was like a, Eyes wide shut, sex party, or something weird like that. Like that has nothing to do with Huberman. I don't think. Maybe he was involved in that stuff. I don't know. But yeah, maybe, maybe not. See, that's yeah. still not sorted out. And there's also this other aspect you brought up where he was taunting victims. I mean, uh, I know we've seen that in shorthand out there, but what do you know about that? Because that's another thing uh, where you know, again, some of these guys they write letters, they write to the newspapers. But this guy was like, let me grab your cell phone. Again, he had a methodology. Uh, he knew to get rid of the phones. He knew to toss those. So he created dead ends, uh, you know, for investigators trying to get a hold of them. But at a certain point, he also had a hold of these victims who were carrying cell phones, right? Yeah. So, you know, and he was taking those and dialing. I guess he would go through them and look, oh, look, I'll dial mom. Hey, mom, guess what? You know, your, your, your hooker daughter's gone or whatever. I mean, that's what literally what I heard he was doing. Yeah. No, that's right. What do you want to report about his sister? Yeah. That's kind of one of the reasons he got caught is that they traced the phones after these women disappeared to Manhattan, right around where his office was. So it was just further corroborating evidence. But yeah, really cruel, kind of cruel, malevolent stuff, you know, seems like a, uh, it was weird too. Cause they like, I think the one, the girl's name was Costello was her last name who, there was something that happened. They trolled him. It was her and her boyfriend told him that like something and took his money and he wanted his money back. And eventually she died, I think at his hands or she was one of them. But she said she looked like he looked like an ogre. Like they knew what he looked like, but it was one of the, he called her one of that girl's family. So who knows what he's been up to for 30 years? Like if you have that mentality, but the BTK guy was just like that too, right? He was always taunting mm-hmm. police and doing stuff. So. Some of these guys like have a very strange mentality. And I've heard that when Raider confessed to the cops, he was like happy. He was telling the cops about his crimes, but not feeling any, any sympathy. Like he didn't feel any uh, remorse for it. He was just like, yeah, I did this. And then I, you know, annihilated this whole family and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, he he was like happily recounting it. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer was in that dead zone, uh, uh, supposedly. I mean, I, I've heard some of the tapes, uh, you know, that that they they released snippets of those things, and uh, you know, he was just deadpan, sort of, again, emotionless. Raider was like with glee. We have no idea what this guy's like. Um, uh, clearly, he would have stuck out like a sore thumb, but also, he didn't make the uh, obvious mistakes though of like you know getting caught with a. You know, like on a traffic violation, you know, like right. Bundy, Bundy, they caught on a traffic violation. Uh, Berkowitz, they caught on a traffic violation. I think they know. pulled over the long other guy from Long Island on a traffic stop. He had a, like a body in the back of his car, right? Yeah, the Rifkin. Other guy mentioned. Yeah, Rifkin. Yeah, that happened with Rifkin. Um, and I was even uh, reading about this uh, uh, crime in New Jersey and in, in, in one of my, one of my old hometowns in Neptune City. It's not a serial killer thing or anything, but these two young guys, they killed this girl. Uh, for her money, and then it turned out they couldn't really get the money. It was a whole mess. But in Neptune City, uh, you know, the cops had run across them while they were transporting the body, too. And, you know, it turns out later on they come up with surveillance video. 
and it was so strange to watch, you know, to watch like the body cams from the cops and everything, uh, you know, as they're running across these guys who are clearly the killer, uh, the killers or, you know, cooperative killers, uh, in the case of this one girl, even, uh, the cops are bumping right up against them, right up against the evidence and sometimes not picking it up. That is the real world though. That happens. Right. Um, well, that's like a lot of these other cases, like one guy gets busted for one, Huberman gets busted for three or four, but he may have 30 or 40. They don't know, you know, so like you don't know a lot of these things unless you can get them to confess or present the evidence and look back. So I'm sure they're grinding it out in Suffolk County trying to figure out where Huberman's been, who else are the other missing people, uh, other missing persons cases and things like that. Like, Oh, absolutely. And they're going to have to be working with other jurisdictions. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a little break. William Ramsey is with me. And now we're going to have to get into some other more familiar territory with William Ramsey after we come back because – this is just the first, you know, the prima facie look at this Gilgo's, uh, this Gilgo Beach murder situation. But there's going to be a lot more. So stick around. The Ocelli effect will return after this. When a fan of the Ocelli effect calls in to the Ocelli effect. I just wanted to call in and tell you and Michael Swanson and J.T. Sicilian, all of the guests that you have, how much I love your show. Always interesting. It's always informative. I just wanted to tell you in person, on the phone, I mean, I love you. I love your show. I, I love everything you do. I will always be there to support you. You know that. We appreciate you so much. Uh, you, you have okay. no idea. Thanks. And most of our fans just send hate mail and death threats. Shelly.com. WallStreetWindow.com Gold, silver, the stock market. WallStreetWindow.com Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State understood these trends professionally for many years, and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge. WallStreetWindow.com Go there now. Go there now. Go there now. Go there now. Support Chuck O'Chelly at Chili.com. There's no money in it, so yeah, that is that's the, the problem. That's the biggest problem, I think. And you know, some people would say that look, you're in an age when you can be independently supported, but uh, quite frankly, I, I, I'm on that business model too. And uh, look, I'm not going to complain, but uh, but I'm going to complain, <laughs> okay? Because people want to support you, they love you to death, but uh, honestly, so if you're listening in, this yeah. is a very unsubtle request to support the damn show, and I want you to do this too because. Um, you know, uh, the Achille Report is one of the few places where Greg Pallas can get his his uh, the, the stuff out. I mean, you'll still see my bylaws in some of these outlets, but nevertheless, um, I used to be a regular on CNN and on MSDNC, uh, but uh, no more. Revelation through conversation. Ochilly.com. second and final segment of the Ocelli Effect. Of course, if you're seeing us on video, then you're likely tuned into Rockfin, or you could be over on William Ramsey Investigates, one of his channels, because he's going to uh, have a video recording of this as well, and uh, he can post it any which way he wants. But if you're over at the Ocelli stuff, 
Welcome to you. Welcome to you at William Ramsey Investigates as well. Happy to have you along because I'm happy to be talking to William Ramsey. Now, we've been talking directly about the most recent serial killer events as far as the mainstream media is concerned, but there are ongoing other things happening and strangeness in the, well, the world of murder and mayhem. Sorry to say, William Ramsey, I got to keep asking you about stuff like this because uh, uh, this is the way of the world, but now we got to tune, uh, turn our attention over to something that you've talked about that has been recently getting a bit more attention, not so much from the MSM, a little bit, but not so much. And people are legitimately starting to look at other patterns here. And we just got done talking about the initial patterns with this guy in Long Island, and there could be a whole lot more to it. I doubt he'll be one of the smiley face killers, though. Different uh, methodology, different victim pool, but here we go. Um, let's talk about that a little bit and other things that maybe have made the news lately and, and what's happening because maybe there aren't as many serial killers as there were out there, but they do still exist. So, uh, or, or maybe not, maybe they're not getting caught, like you said, or, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to categorize all this. I just say... It's a strange world in which we live, and it gets stranger the more you look at the, uh, well, the violent side of it. So um, where should we go from here? Well, we can talk about the strange disappearance and uh, death of the former White House chef or current house chef for Obama. I think his name was Tafari Campbell in Martha's Vineyard. He actually was found Monday, um, just two days ago. He disappeared Sunday night. The call for his disappearance took place Sunday night from the Obama residence, but it's a very strange case because he was paddle boarding and, uh, and not in very deep water. He was in this part of this sound called the Edgartown Great Pond, which uh, the average depth is like four or five feet. It, it goes down to eight feet at certain points, but he's a big guy, healthy, strong guy. There's pictures of him on social media um, swimming, actually. So it's mm -hmm. weird that they said he couldn't swim and that he's paddle boarding and he's with somebody else who they don't define who it was, and that person uh, said he went under. I mean, it's just a really suspicious story. It says on, this is from one report, he says, emergency services were called to the family's mansion on Martha's Vineyard on Sunday evening by reports of a paddleboarder who had gone under the surface after a brief struggle to stay afloat. Hmm. So maybe he had like a health crisis or something like that, but it is weird. Like yeah, it just definitely. wasn't like, yeah, definitely weird. Look, we've just been confronted by this possibility. You know, Bronny James just uh, had a heart attack. I, I, I find that highly suspicious. Of course, I'm one of those crazy conspiracy people out there that the news is telling you not to listen to who says, hey, should we ask whether he was vaccinated or not? Um, no, no, no. You're not allowed to do that because then you're a terrible human being. But, uh, you know, is that a possibility? Sure. But it's awfully weird because I don't know. Martha's Vineyard, uh, it's it's a strange place to begin with. Uh, and I don't know how much murder actually occurs there, but is this a murder? Is this an accident? Is this a health crisis? It's weird, but, again, you got to have your suspicious antenna up because a guy who is a, uh, you know, a personal chef, right, who handles uh, the food for some of the powerful people, they might be in privileged positions. Uh, they might be in positions where they're able to hear or see things that occur in a household uh, where, hey, look, you know what, might be time to shut a guy like that down. 
And I guarantee you some people are going to have suspicions like that because, again, I was talking before about getting rid of witnesses, right? Uh, commonplace thing that occurs. Who knows what this guy might have known? Who knows what he was exposed to? Um, you know, what, what do we know about that situation? Probably not much because they're going to keep that real tight, and they usually do on Martha's Vineyard, right? So that's going to be a tough one to get really deep into the weeds with, uh, pardon the expression. But it is a very strange thing that happened there, huh? Very strange. This is a report from the Martha's, Martha's Vineyard Commission verified that the average depth of Edgartown Great Pond, which is where the Obama's chef drowned, is 3 to 4.3 feet. So yeah. Even I mean, more shallow. Yeah, yeah very strange. And, uh, you know, one of the things about Trump and Clinton is you can find the trail of women that they have been with, whether porn stars or models or something like that. But with Obama, you can't find that. So I think that's also kind of telling, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that is another point. Right. Because eventually we, we, we find them. Right. Eventually there's a whistleblower. Eventually there's a hush hush. Eventually there's, a, you know, Amen. a child that pops up. Right. <laughs> okay. right, like Hunter Biden. Right. Well, Hunter Biden or a, hey, you know, we, we, we go back to, uh, uh, well, let's just be blunt. Uh, Bill Clinton's black son. Right. Uh, Danny, I, I can't remember his last name off the top of my head, but you look at that kid, you know, that's Bill Clinton's son. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, I don't agree with Roger Stone on a lot, but there I do. <laughs> okay. Right. That is definitely Bill Clinton's son. You can see stuff like that. You can hear it. You see the complaints. You see the stuff quashed in court. Where is Obama's paternity cases? Where is Obama's women? Um, yeah, he doesn't have any. Does he? Doesn't have any. He has some, all, some male guys who talk about him. They have his kind of, uh, involvement at boys club, boys town. What was it? Men's, men's country, man's country. You ever heard of that? That's the, that's the mm. male, what do you call it? Uh, gay bar, not gay bar, but bathhouse. I think he belonged to right around the time where Dahmer was around there, actually, um, in Chicago. Oh, wow. Um, it's a weird time. Yeah. It's a weird overlap. Go look at the overlap of Obama and Dahmer. Like Dahmer was a known member of the gay community. Like he wasn't, nobody was like, he was well known. You know, they didn't know what he was up to, but he was part of that, uh, Gay bar type of thing. So no, until a couple of guys OD'd in his company, uh, nobody was really paying attention to him, right? Yeah, he got uh, kicked. Yeah, he got kicked out of one or two in Milwaukee for drugging. Like they knew that he was drugging, so then he started going to Chicago, you know, hmm. down the freeway an hour or whatever. So, but yeah, no, there's very. Uh, this is the other thing, and then the other the Clintons, uh, the Clintons' former chef, his name was Walter Scheib was found dead in the mountains of New Mexico in 2015. So they, these uh, these uh, chefs at the White House have uh, curious uh, deaths, you know. Well, let's remember that a chef could always be part of a medical cover-up. This is something I discovered, you know, uh, examining the Kennedy case and getting granular on it. Uh, the, the, the chefs might be informed to serve a guy, and they were informed to serve JFK certain things because he needed certain nutritional, uh, you know, elements to deal with some of the medications he was on and stuff like that. Okay, that's the truth of it. Uh, and, yeah, I've done deep enough research to find this out. Uh, you know, the, the, the chef that he winds up sharing, actually, at one point with uh, Nixon, <laughs> oddly enough, um, it, it's, it's interesting. 
All right. Uh, these guys get some knowledge because they might be told, look, you can't feed him this or that because it interacts badly with his medication. Uh, you can't, uh, you, you got to make sure to give him this or that because he's got a condition. Um, they get told, you know, it's imperative to make sure that certain vitamins are included in their meals. I'm not kidding. Th this happens. Um, right. Kennedy had Addison's disease, right? So yes. he probably had to have a special diet. Yeah. Right. Well, he had a special diet. And then, of course, he had uh, some heavy drug regimens at certain points where, quite frankly, you, you've got to be able to feed the body back if you're being depleted of certain nutrition. Even in the 60s, they knew that. OK, so, uh, yeah, his his chefs, his cooks were instructed to make sure that they made sure to include certain things in his meals. Now, I'm not saying that I know this about the Obamas or the Bushes or the Clintons, but. Let's just say, theoretically, uh, you know, you need to make sure somebody has cranberry juice because they're getting infections. You need to make sure somebody has served certain vegetables because they would be helpful in case they had certain other oh, medical conditions they might have acquired along the way. Uh, if somebody had cancer, if somebody had HIV, if somebody had just saying, just saying, if these things come up, Right. Or if you're being medicated a certain way, uh, it comes up and the cook might know that. And there's other intimacies there being sort of part of the household uh, where, again, it becomes highly suspicious when somebody suddenly disappears. When somebody suddenly dies under strange circumstances, seemingly healthy people who suddenly can't swim in four feet of water. Yeah, that's a little odd. Could it be, though? You know, one of the COVID heart attacks, right? Because they, they're telling us in the MSM now, of course, with the Bronny James story that if the kid got COVID at some point, that could have damaged his heart. If the kid had a certain condition, you know, that athletes get somehow, although I always thought that if you were athletic, it helped your heart out a lot. Um, but, you know, certain conditions occur with athletes, uh, one in every 5,000 or whatever, even though way more than one in every 5,000 are seemingly dropping on courts all over the world, courts and fields, all over the world, um, they tell us that that could be a result of COVID, that could be a result of strange genetic deformities, so on and so forth. Anything but the shot, right, because we're not supposed to say that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that happens too. But isn't it strange that maybe something like that occurred? Nobody would want to admit to that. Uh, who knows, right? W will there be a revelation here regarding this guy's death, the, the, the chef, or you think it'll just be forgotten? Cause you brought up the Clinton thing during the break and I didn't even remember that story, to be honest with you. So what are your thoughts there? You think, uh, there's something gonna emerge here or are we just gonna, we'll let find out. I'm, I'm sure the people who are on the left would not want to go too far into this story. There's no question about it, but, uh, it is suspicious. It reminds me. I mean, it's also strange the timing to a Sunday night. They get a call at 10 p.m. on a Sunday night. What the heck? Like, why is that late of call? Why isn't it during the day? Did you go paddle boarding at 10 p.m.? Well, I mean, hey, let's have a couple of drinks and go paddle boarding in the middle of the night. Is that really mm -hmm. what happened? They found his body on a Monday morning. Mm -hmm. That's actually kind of a, a unfortunate uh, similarity to the SFK killings is a lot of the bodies are dumped in the water on Sunday nights, probably because it's quiet. Everybody's awesome. at home getting ready for the next, uh, next week. So ah, that's, I mean, this is like, this is literally two days ago, July 24th. So it's, uh, I mean, my senses are really like, uh, wow, this is really something else. So I'm, they'll probably clamp down on this story. 
Very well, cool. what about that? What about if, you know, we come to find out that the smiley-faced uh, gang here, which uh, it seems to me there has to be more than one active there, okay? Let's just say they were trying to make a point to Obama. Uh, you know, that's a possibility, too. Hey, we can get somebody close to you. I don't know what's going on there because most of the victims, from what I understand, don't have connections to anything significant. It seems rather random, actually, the, the, the victims, except for the yes. fact that it's a lot of young men. And like you said, you have the consistency. I didn't realize the Sunday uh, uh, dumping seems to be a thing. I mean, is that has that been a consistency in the smiley face killings, the Sunday? A lot of them. Yeah, a lot of, sun, a lot of Monday morning finds, yes. Yeah, so Monday morning. I can think of a couple. I think it was uh, Dakota James was found on a Monday morning, and something like some of the other ones. I'd have to go back through and do a spreadsheet or something, but it is interesting. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's that's well, this story. When you start reading through the story, like what what are you guys out doing paddleboarding at ten p.m.? Like that's yeah. weird on a Sunday night. Like that's what it's that's what these things. Well, you would think if you're, yeah, you would think if you're going to a body of water, a natural body of water, like a lake, a stream, something like that, that you would go there in the daylight. That would be the smartest thing. And on the East Coast, I'm certain it's dark out by 10 o'clock. Okay. So unless you have artificial lighting around this area, nobody wants, and even with the artificial lighting, little too dangerous. It's not the thing usually people do. Um, you know, young kids maybe would do something like this. But, I mean, a guy who's a, a, you know, a fully realized adult, usually not going out to paddleboard in the dark. I don't know. Well, here's, you know here's, what people, here's what people said. The search started at 7.46 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday when Martha's Vineyard Police and Fire Agencies responded to a 9-11 call for a male paddleboarder who'd gone into the water, appeared mm-hmm. to briefly stir, struggled to stay on the surface, and then submerged and did not resurface. So 7.46, that's like close to sundown, right? Yeah, Sunday. that's around sundown. I mean, that's a little more reasonable than ten o'clock. I'll tell you that. Yeah, but that's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, some of these. You gotta, strange, I got to finish up. Strange thing this happening in shallow body. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah no, no problem. But but with the smiley face thing again, you know, it, it's starting to gain traction among real people more than media outlets. But still, some media outlets are taking notice. Uh, has there been any new developments that you know about in the past? You know, since the last time we talked, because I know we went over this last time a bit. But I would love to get you know any any new takes from you on it because I, I can't even keep track of the the oddities that are occurring here. And because some people are not linking the murders together, you know, it's not like this story that we're seeing that we started discussing in the beginning. Uh, it's not as uh, readily evident. It's not as easily seen uh, as others. I mean, are you picking up on new ones? Is there some other wrinkle to this? Has there what, been any when did we talk last? When did we talk last about the smiley face killers? How long ago? Because there's been some recent ones in uh, in Austin. There was a new guy, Moga Dogal, was found June 27th, 2023. Christopher Hayes Clark, April 15th, 2023. Uh, the Chicago mm-hmm. cases are still going. Noah Enos was found in Chicago. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things going on. There's a, it's still happening. And, right. uh, it's a weird we time. Spoken, yeah. I think we've spoken maybe May about it, uh, somewhere in there. So I know, I, I believe you mentioned some, some, there might be more than one or more than two in Chicago because you were talking about some very shallow bodies of water, I believe in the Chicago area that were unusual, uh, back then and they were brand new, but I had not heard about, uh, the one in Texas that you just mentioned. Uh, you said that was in June. 
Yeah, there was one in uh, June 27th, Moga DeVal. He was found. All these guys are being found at Lady Bird Lake. So they're calling it the Lady Bird uh, Drugger or whatever in Texas and then Chicago. I don't know what they have a name for it, but these are all smiley face killing types deaths. Disappeared from bars, found in water. So we're still having these young men disappearing from bars, ending up in bodies of water, and it's all over the place. And meanwhile, they're in different pockets. So the pocket in Texas is saying, you know, it's the Lady Bird Lake. The the pocket in, in Chicago calls it something else. The pocket Vancouver, in Vancouver, Vancouver, yeah. um, Houston. So it's yeah, it's really crazy. Well, like I said, the only thing I can guarantee about this guy in Long Island is that he's not part of it because it's not young men, <laughs> okay? And he didn't put him in the bodies of water. He put him on the beach. Little different, uh, you know. So I know he's not part of it, but uh, again, th- this is a pattern that continues to emerge, continues to pile up bodies. And are we seeing any movement from the authorities, the powers that are? Unfortunately, are we seeing any movement from them to begin to connect these things more, or is it just still the citizen researcher, the individuals online coming together? Is it still relegated mostly to those outside of the power structure as far as recognizing this uh, this pattern, uh, William Ramsey? I think so. I think it's still kind of like the public is definitely interested in that. There's huge Facebook groups and talk on TikTok, but um, it doesn't seem like the the authorities are coming together to put out a warning or do anything. They discounted this whole theory 10 years ago, but I think they, I, I mean, the FBI is really corrupt. So I'm not really surprised that they're not doing anything, but uh, to me, it's pretty obvious that somebody's using this, this technique or MO out there multiple places uh, by different people. So it's not just one person. Well, and because of the multi-jurisdictional nation, nature of it, you would figure the FBI would be the, the agency that should uh, come together and find this pattern, right? Because they have access to, I mean, look, you can't blame, say, you know, uh, uh, Mountainville, wherever, whichever state you want, police department for not connecting with Gainesville, Florida, for not connecting with Macon, Georgia, for not connecting. You can't blame that necessarily, but the FBI is literally supposed to be doing this, where they're taking uh, observations like this and saying, look, we have something that comes together. Now, I understand in the age of, like, say, Ted Bundy, where they didn't quite realize the guy in Washington might be the same Ted in Florida, uh, and so on and so forth, maybe. But even back then, they figured it out. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't get what's going on here. Like, why is it that the authorities are so resistant? Is it because it would be, I mean, and here's an opinion I didn't ask you about last time. Do you think that they're resistant to looking at this as a pattern because it would represent probably one of the most massive, uh, you know, sort of like, uh, killing enterprise, I don't know what to call it, but like killing enterprises in U.S. history, if this actually emerged in North American history, really, because, again, Canada, there could possibly be bodies in Mexico as well. Definitely it's a North American issue between Canada and the United States. So would it represent one of the most widespread sort of like, I don't want to call it a killing game, but killing uh, uh, enterprises, I don't know what what to call it, killing groups. I think you're right. I think you're right. It would be just a total shock if law enforcement was – Kind of, I mean, look at this guy, Hewerman or whatever, the Gilgo Beach killer. Like, what's he been doing for 30 years? It took you 30 years to find this guy if he's really been killing for that long. Imagine the same thing with these types of murders that if they dropped the ball and didn't put out a good warning, what do we, how would it look for them? It would look terrible. 
and it would represent a huge amount. Like there are people with lists of like three or 400 men who this has happened to globally, right? It's happening in the UK, Europe. So they're not just slipping and falling in water. They're just found in water. It's very different. And it reminds me kind of of the murders of the women in Juarez, Mexico. I don't know if you've heard about that story, but it's like the numbers of these girls who've been raped and killed is in the thousands. It's off the charts. It hasn't been like nobody's gotten caught because it's, it's involves whole groups of people. They're doing really cruel stuff to these girls, like in finding them and stalking them and selecting them, pre-selecting and things like that. Really crazy stuff that's un- unbelievable. But it reminds me of that where it's almost right. like there's a whole culture of that happening. And I think that that's what the smiley face killings phenomenon represents is that there's oh, yeah. a culture of this going on of this, this type of crime. Yeah. Well, the Juarez thing is wild, too. I, you know, have you done shows on that, by the yeah, way? Because, yeah, I have. I know a lot about it, yeah. All right, because that is an amazing thing. You know, some people want to point to it and say, oh, it's the drug cartels, but this is not the drug cartels. This is something else that's happening. I mean, indeed, some of the bodies you could tie to the cartels, right? Because, I mean, they're in the area. This is going on. It's a border area. Okay, I got you. But it's not all that. A lot of these people had zero connection. They didn't even encounter the cartels. These were people. So I I know that that is a whole other nightmare. It is international, but I'm saying just from the uh, American point of view, right? Best thing I can look at. Uh, Somebody would say, look, it's impossible. William Ramsey. I mean, come on, you're going to take this to Europe. You're going to take this to other continents. How many intercontinental connections? I mean, that's just craziness. Okay, fine. But even just look at what's gone on in North America. You know, you've got a huge industry or a huge culture, a huge sub something going on here if, indeed, these are all interconnected. And if they're not, there's a hell of a lot of coincidence here for some reason. I mean, uh, it's very strange. And uh, anyway, people can follow up with that. They can look at your film. Uh, it's still up on, um, oh, uh, Vimeo. What, what is... I have two films. I have two Vimeo. films. Right, you have on the Smiley Face Killer Show. Yeah, and I've done tons of interviews and tons of stuff on William Ramsey Investigates. They can see it, including right. your show. Right, lots of stuff on William Ramsey Investigates. I mean, again, you chase down the podcast, that's great. But if you go to Vimeo, you can actually watch. Uh, it's it's multiple videos over there. But I remember the one very long film, and then we, we also went over a short piece that you had over there. Uh, it could be that you have it broken into a couple of pieces. Either way, go over to Vimeo. I'll try and put the links in with the show notes. Tonight for everybody. So if you look down, uh, you know, if you're at Rockfin or if you're at Shelly.com or wherever it is you get your podcast, uh, it'll be in the show notes. You'll be able to follow up on the smiley face killers, the, the stuff that William has put together. And again, if you just go to William Ramsey investigates, it's not like he's only done a couple of shows on this. <laughs> okay. There's a bunch of them. Uh, you know, and you've written about it. You've talked about it. You've, uh, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? Also, you can check out his stuff on Amazon. Uh, the, the book, which is behind me, like maybe 10 feet away from me right now. I'm trying to think of it. The international, uh, what is it? The, the, the cult of death. Uh, yeah. Global death cult. Yeah. Global death cult. I'm sorry. I couldn't remember the exact title, <laughs> but the global death cult. I know that book is back there. Hell of an interesting read. Okay, and uh, uh, gives you an idea that, yes, indeed, there are a great many patterns, not just the smiley face uh, murders, but there is a lot of patterns of murder, mayhem, and many things tied to many death cults, actually, throughout the planet. And unfortunately, uh, we, we, we have need to examine this darkness because there is just 
too much of it. But again, William Ramsey investigates wherever podcasts are. And I uh, want to thank you again. Unless there's anything else you want to throw in, we'll get out of here. I'll let you go because we've gone over the hour now, and I didn't mean to. But uh, here we it's all are. Good. Thanks for the invite, Chuck. It's always great to talk with you. Thanks Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And you guys definitely follow up. William Ramsey Investigates, that's the podcast. And no matter who you are, where you are, when you are, I'm merely Ocelli, and all of you are indeed the effect. <laughs>